There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. On this episode of Revealing the True Light, we're going to be focusing on natural religion. What is the difference between natural religion and supernatural religion? Actually, there are four types of religion. Number one, you have natural religion that results from three influences. First, our instinctive desire to know and to serve the Creator. That happens in the heart. Then second, it results from our ability to rationalize the existence of God. That's in the mind. And then third, it results from the resulting sense of responsibility and accountability toward God that we feel when we have this instinctive, inward, heartfelt desire to know him and the ability to rationalize his existence. The automatic outcome of that is a sense of responsibility and accountability toward him. Now that's natural religion. And that's the three things that cause natural religion. But we're going to go into it much deeper. But then the second kind of religion is invented religion. Usually invented religion has its roots in natural religion, but then human beings go beyond that initial instinctive inward sense of the existence of the creator. And then they build up an entire religious system full of false ideas, false deities, and false rituals and ceremonies and concepts and doctrines that go far beyond the initial sense or inspiration that they felt. That's invented religion. Then you have revealed religion, which is pure truth disclosed by the source of truth himself. Then finally, number four, you have augmented religion, which takes place in those who have been exposed to reveal religion, but then they add all kinds of doctrines, rituals, ceremonies, and ideas to what began as a true revelation from God. So there are your four types of religion, natural religion, invented religion, revealed religion, and augmented religion. But we're going to focus just on natural religion in this episode. There's probably no better place to start than Psalm 19, verses 1 through 3. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. So the immensity of the cosmos the macrocosm all the way down to the microcosm, the details 
of the intricate design that the designer has applied to this creation, even uh, going beyond what is seen into the microscopic world. It all testifies of the existence of the grand designer. What a powerful and beautiful passage of scripture. The heavens declare the glory of God, and there's no speech nor language where that declaration is not heard all around the globe. And then adding to that, we have a powerful passage of scripture in Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. It talks about the wickedness of evil men and women who suppress the truth. Well, how do they suppress the truth if they haven't been exposed to the Bible, if they haven't heard the declaration of the gospel, if they haven't become acquainted with the name of Jesus? How do they suppress the truth by ignoring this inner instinctive knowledge that there is a creator and that we are accountable to him? People feel that at some point in their life, but then dismiss it, ignore it, suppress it, and go on to indulge in whatever kind of behavior they desire to indulge in. They sink into depravity sometime, into the depths of immorality, self-will, and rebellion. But it says the wicked suppress the truth, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God himself has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes his eternal power and divine nature have been understood and observed by what he made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. Instead, their thoughts turned to worthless things and their senseless hearts were darkened. And then it goes on to say, claiming to be wise, they became fools because they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images that look like mortal human beings, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. And of course, that's an indictment against idolatry. That contains some very powerful statements. That's the International Standard Version. Let me read the Amplified version. And the Amplified is not a literal translation. It takes the original Hebrew and the original Greek and then describes in added language what the essence of the meaning of the original words were. So we recognize it is not a literal translation. Now here, Romans chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. For ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature and attributes, that is, his eternal power and divinity have been made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made, his handiworks. So men are without excuse, altogether without any defense or justification, because when they knew God and recognized him as God, they did not honor and glorify him as God or give thanks. But instead, they became futile and godless in their thinking with vain imaginations, foolish reasoning, and stupid speculations, and their senseless minds were darkened. Well, how did men and women know God? prior to the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, because it was only after those pivotal events 
that the Spirit of God could come and dwell within us, where we could have a personal relationship with God through the experience of being born again. This was not available during Old Covenant times, especially there was no knowledge of God in the Gentile world. So how could they know God if they were unfamiliar with the Torah, if they had no exposure to the prophets or to the Psalms and the Proverbs, if they had no exposure, of course, now in this era, the New Covenant era, if they have no exposure to the gospel or to the name of Jesus, how can they know God? And why would this passage of scripture describe them as knowing God? Because God has made himself known through the things which he has done. The creator has reflected his invisible nature, his attributes in the creation. He does not dwell in the creation. That's a new age concept that there's an essence of divine life within everything. It's based on pantheism. But he does reflect his nature through different aspects of the creation. And he reflects a testimony of his tremendous power through what he has done. In fact, God's great power is revealed by the immensity of the universe. You cannot go out under a starry sky without being filled with awe. It is estimated that there are over two trillion galaxies in the universe. Think of that. And also our galaxy, the Milky Way, contains between 100 and 400 billion stars and at least 100 billion planets. I don't know about you, but I feel so small and insignificant compared to that. And yet it shows me the incredible power of the God that I am in a relationship with. And even prior to being saved, even prior to being born again, when I considered the greatness of what God has created, the largeness of the universe, it made me feel this odd sense of respect. Even though I didn't yet know God in a personal relationship, I knew him in the aspect of his power his authority, just by the fact that I recognize there's a creator that brought forth this creation, a designer that had an intricate design in place. See, different attributes of God's nature can be reflected in creation. His attention to detail is shown in the intricate designs that fill this world. Even the normally invisible things, like, uh, for instance, the fact that you have over 60,000 miles of blood vessels in your body, from the larger veins and arteries all the way down to the microscopic capillaries, your blood system, if you're a normal adult human being, could stretch around the world two and a half times at the equator. That's just mind-boggling. And yet that shows me God's incredible attention to detail. If he can be that aware of the smallest aspects, the most invisible aspects of what my human body requires in order for each cell to have a constant blood supply, to be invigorated by the oxygen from the lungs and the food from the digestive system, if he can be attentive to that kind of detail, 
on a bodily level in every human being, and there's billions of them in the world, then he can be attentive to the details of my life. That's what it speaks to me. His divine order is recognizable by the way so many things abide in perfect balance to produce a habitable world, like the distance of the sun from the earth and the tilting of the axis that produces the seasons and the harvest cycle. All of this is so important in order for this world to be perfect for human beings to exist. You move the the earth just a little bit away from the sun, it would be so frigid that no human being could survive here. You move it just a little bit closer and it would burn the planet up. So the creator has a divine order and that order is under his authority. If he has an order for the solar system and for the planet earth, on that kind of scale, then he has a divine order for my life. I can see the reflection of his character in that. His faithfulness and his unchangeableness is witnessed by the predictable way that night turns to day and day turns to night. And in Jeremiah 33, the Bible even talks about God having a covenant with the day and a covenant with the night. And so if he can be faithful in causing this cycle to be dependable every single day, then he can be faithful in his commitment to you and to me. I see that quality in God. I see the unchangeableness of his nature by the unchangeableness of certain patterns of creation. His aesthetic, artistic appreciation for beauty is reflected by a field of flowers and the beauty of butterflies dancing from one to the other. His kindness is evidenced in creation by the instinctive way that animals care for their young because he placed that behavior within them. His ability to bring change in our lives is revealed by the metamorphosis of a caterpillar changing into a butterfly. His resurrection power is witnessed every time a seed germinates and bursts forth out of the ground so that little acorns can become mighty oak trees. And that gives me faith for a transition once I die and go to the grave. The goodness of God is revealed by the presence of goodness in the world, even though there's much evil and much wickedness here. See, to the people of Lystra in Acts chapter 14, verse 17, Paul explained that even though false religion abounds in this world, and this is the quoted part, that God did not leave himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons filling our hearts with food and gladness. And so even though he's the invisible God and he doesn't normally reveal himself in a supernatural encounter, especially during all the thousands of years prior to the coming of Jesus, still he did not leave himself without witness because he can be seen reflected in natural things. His natural care by producing an environment that is livable and enjoyable for human beings. See, Jesus is even called the firstborn of all creation or the firstborn of every creature in the King James Version. So there's things in this world that become a revelation of who he is because he created all things. 
the lion came out of him, so he's referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah, and that speaks of his authority, his power, his dominion. He's also referred to as the Lamb of God. And so that reflects back to his nature being one of gentleness and meekness and innocence. In Malachi's writings, he's referred to as the son of righteousness, S-U-N, who arises with healing in his wings. And just like there are healing properties in sunlight, in like manner, the son of righteousness can bring healing to you spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. And so all of these things reflect back to the creator and give us an understanding of his existence. Finally, in Romans chapter 2, it talks about how those who have sinned without law will also perish without the law. And not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. And then it says in verse 14, when the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature, by nature, the things that are contained in the law, these having not the law are a law to themselves who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness." and between themselves, their thoughts, accusing or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. Now, on the next episode, I'm going to be talking about this. I'm going to be talking about the inner influence of the conscience and how God will deal with people eternally who have never heard the gospel. But in this episode, I wanted to especially show you how God has not left himself without witness. The cosmos witnesses to man the reality of God. The intricate detail, the handiwork of God in this world testifies of God's attentiveness to detail in our lives. And then the quickening of the conscience also reminds us that there is a moral law that was created by an invisible God who has certain standards he expects us to live by. The conscience is not the presence of God in human beings. I used to teach that when I was a new ager. But the conscience is a gift from God that is still resident within men and women in this world. We'll talk about it more on the next episode. But we've discovered what natural religion is. I believe I was a product of it. I longed for God. I thirsted for God. I yearned for God for years before I learned how to get to God. I studied under an Indian guru and devoted my life to the pursuit of knowing God. I didn't know how to get to him. I finally was born again when someone shared Jesus with me. But it all began with natural religion. And that's important to know. It's not enough to be saved. It's not enough for a person to have eternal life, but it's the beginning, it's the seed beginning of discovering who God is. I want to invite you to come to my website, thetruelight.net, because we have posted my story that is in the downloadable booklet, The Highest Adventure, Encountering God. So come and get your copy. It's a 64-page mini book where I explain how I came out of Eastern religions and came into the knowledge of Jesus. And I want you to have it free of charge. Visit thetruelight.net and download your copy. And also there's many testimonies and articles and videos that will be of interest to you on that website. 
Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shreve's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.